We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place exclusive interviews with players coaches and team executives streaming live and always available on demand stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the odyssey app it's todd feinberg it's todd feinberg monday through friday three till six on wtic news talk 1080 oh yes indeed we are officially beginning now, even though I've been on for an hour already. It wasn't my show, it was Tom's show. Well, it was kind of our show. T2, it has its own name and all. But uh, now we get launched. You know that I've, I don't know, maybe you haven't noticed, but I've turned a corner. I'm no longer interested in, in the politics going, can you turn off that talk back mic, Roland, please? I'm getting noise from you. The... Um, I've, I've sort of gone through this transformation where I've lost interest in, in the way politics is practiced in this country. I feel like it's futile us rooting for political parties, especially in Connecticut, where Republicans don't really exist, except in rare cases. That is, Republicans who represent constitutional government. And I don't feel like constitutional government is practiced or... or um, really believed in anymore, especially by the people who claim to be following it in Washington and in uh, and in w- right here in Hartford. You know, it, it's we've been plundered and there's all kinds of bad stuff going on. So I just want us to find a new system that will work. And this next guest we have on, I, I find intriguing for that reason, because his name is Joe Petrina, and he's the author of a book called Hoodwinked. And the point of this book is to try to take one section of government that our government is has ravaged and made unconstitutional. And I like that he's chasing down something specific. I think that's cool. Joe Petrina, welcome to WTIC. Wait a sec. Got to push that button. There you are. Hi, Joe. Hi, Todd. I'm there. Yeah. Thank yeah, you for you're, coming you're on. Right on. Thank you. You're right on target. This is... Uh... Rather than um, complaining about uh, how bad things have gotten, I've come up with what I call an actionable uh, countermeasure. And it's Can you give us a short version yeah. of what Hoodwinked is about? Because yep. I actually want to talk more to you about where that puts you, the experience that yep. you've had, where you are today because you've done this. But, but tell us yes. about the book and the story. Yes, it's quite um, a simple revelation. It took me years to get to the revelation, but uh, we know two things by heart, like no taxation without representation. And um, in the Constitution itself, it says all taxes must be uh, originated by the legislature. But my home taxes are not being originated by the legislature. They're being originated by the town. 
So there and there's no exceptions. That's the rule. All taxes by the legislature. Like that exact so, phrase is in the Constitution. Yeah, it's in called the origination clause. It sits mm-hmm. right there and right right in the open. Okay. So I saw that and I said, well, what could be going on here? It's very clear. Uh, so the municipalities have no authority to tax any more than, say, McDonald's has, <laughs> because it's local to you. Um, so that they're taxing without authority. Mm-hmm. So what gives there? Um, the next thing I found out is, uh, since it's constitutional, why hasn't the Supreme Court weighed in on it? Well, there must have been lawsuits when they initiated this stuff, and and courts must have ruled that it was okay. But you're saying nobody ever got it up to the Supreme Court to be heard? Yes, because the Supreme Court said this is a local matter, and your local court should deal with it. Oh, they bailed. it's never been. Yeah, so they, but it's a they, constitutional issue. That's ridiculous. That's their jo- and it's their job to to weigh in on constitution. Now, flip side of that is really very keen. So the local judges say um, it's not my job to do constitution constitutional thinking. Uh, that's Supreme Court. So if they're not doing it, we can weigh any way we want. We can do whatever we want because they're taking a pass. Yeah. And, but have there been other that, has this did that only happen once that there was a case that the Supreme Court said that's a local issue or do they keep doing that? No, it's they they've just never taken a case that you know how they work. They they mm-hmm. can take a case or they don't have to take a case. Yes. They never pronounced this. They just never took a case. And since 1783. So meanwhile, or after the Civil War, the state started developing tax code. And they made up this system, but it's just made up. And if you go in front of a local judge, they say, no, it's right here in the tax code. They can do this. And not only can they tax you, your town, but if you don't pay the tax, they can take your house. (laughs) And this was the second shoe to drop. I said, I thought we were based on due process. You know, you can take the house without going in front of the judge. And um, I went to my town hall and questioned them, and they said, yeah, we have this new system where we put your house up for a tax sale, and we sell it to somebody, and then we take the money you owe us, and that's that. And I said, what do you do? You issue a new deed? I said, yeah, a second deed. You have one, and the new owner has one, and you have to fight it out. Wow. (laughs) This is about a a five-year-old system that was introduced, not just in Connecticut, uh, they had law firms going around teaching the municipalities how to do tax sales. But it's all on the back of the idea that they can tax you in the first place. Because so, the Supreme Court never took up the case. Never did it. Right. And never issued a ruling. Yeah. But the Constitution Correct. states clearly that municipalities yeah. don't have the power to tax. Right. And that, that's called, when the Supreme Court steps in, it's called settled law. So there is no settled law in this matter. It's written... Mm-hmm. It's stated law, but it's not settled. And uh, so, oh, my God, I guess there's nothing I can do about it. You know, the local courts are going to win every time. And Is this an actual situation that you had? Yes. This yes. is based I, on your own personal. So you you went down the the rabbit hole here, and you yep. chased all this down. And did you file suit? No, not yet. You'll see because the suit is uh, much more clever than filing this suit. I can't file a suit against my town because that'll go to the local judges and they'll say, no, the, the, the tax code says they can do it. 
Right. So you need a way so, to skip up to the Supreme Court or to some bet. higher authority. So you what's bet. the plan? You got it. Well, first of all, in 2019, I'm you know, I'm always like looking into things. 2019, Justice Roberts, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, took a property case from Pennsylvania and it was about certain things. But in his conclusion, he said the requirement to do litigation at the state level it's really gone too far, and the people are really def- defenseless about it. And he is accepting that you can take these cases up to the Supreme Court now. So that was 2019. So the door opened a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, so I said, oh, the door opened. So I kind of drafted a, a case. And I'm not a lawyer, but you know, I can draft the logic of a case. And um, I presented it to some lawyers, even some pretty high-powered lawyers, and they said, you know what you have here? I said, I have a case. <laughs> and they said, no, you have a very special case. It's called a original jurisdiction. And, and I said, what's that? And they <laughs> said, original jurisdiction cases can only be adjudicated by the Supreme Court. In other words, so, the there is no jurisdiction on the part of the lower courts. Correct. If there's three kinds of original jurisdictions. If a state is suing a foreign country, if two states are suing each other, or if we, the people, are suing the government. And so in the case, you can't sue the legislature, by the way, but you can sue the governor, which Mm -hmm. in our case would be our very own. Um, Highly suable. (laughs) Highly suable governors. So the suit would be uh, we, the people, against the governors who are allowing this unconstitutional behavior to go on Mm -hmm. and we're not asking new law to be created or anything like that it just if the supreme court would take the case and they say yep it's right there in black and white very interesting taxation is not legal and certainly takings the takings is, is, is beyond belief um, the book is called Hoodwinked. We're talking to Joe Petrina. Yeah. Hang on, Joe. We'll get a right. quick break in, and then we'll continue the conversation. Okay, Joe. Joe Petrina, Hoodwinked. He's trying to get justice from the government, which, of course, is virtually oxymoronic. We will talk more about it coming up on WTIC. It's the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Interesting conversation we're having with Joe Petrina, author of the book called Hoodwink. Joe says the Constitution says that cities and towns can't levy taxes. That has to be done by the legislature. Wouldn't they have an argument, though, Joe? Wouldn't I, I would think the way they win this in local courts would be to go in and say, well, the the. Uh, legislature said back then we can do it so now it's legalized and then once you've built a structure around a bad ruling it's very rare that a court would ever want to take apart say a whole system of how states fund themselves right that's where all the resistance comes from but um you know the the same could have been said about uh slavery in 1858 Uh, a whole system was built around it but uh, in the case of, yeah, in Connecticut or all the other states, the legislature actually does not have the authority to de- delegate to anyone. And, you know, each town, the town of Avon, the town of Bridgeport, they're just incorporated legal entities. They don't have 
uh, special powers. They're just there to do, you know, local things like run the local roads and the police. They're not we're not set up to be agents of the legislature. So this was all done incorrectly. You know, I have uh, I, I know there's a guy I know from Massachusetts, an attorney, high profile attorney. And he sued mm-hmm. the state of Massachusetts because they were doing something blatantly against the laws that the state had passed, that the legislature had passed, which was right. that all the money from the Turnpike Authority, back when yeah. the Mass Turnpike was separate from the Department of Transportation. And there was a law that said that no money from one agency could be transferred to another. And they uh, and he thought he had them dead to rights savvy attorney spent thousands of hours in court knows the constitution inside out and he he went in and he lost and he came out and he said to me i said what happened he said well you can't get the government to rule against the government correct so that's why i'm not going well i do plan on going to uh, at least address this with governor lamont give him a chance of course he he couldn't imagine going up against the entire structure well, he but has he no interest understand. in government. So, no, you know, I, we he, know that. Yeah. He wouldn't get involved, even if he thought you yeah. had the rightest case in the history of mankind. Yeah. But, but I have been advised, Todd, that um, before I send the application into the U.S. Supreme Court for remedy and relief, that since the obstacle was my own state and my own governor, I have to at least have tried and oh, give really? them the chance. Yeah, Give them the chance to remedy before they get humiliated is the idea. Yeah. So well, I got a, I got a text from uh, somebody who said that that this isn't right. This isn't how original yeah. jurisdiction works, and yeah. the the point in the Constitution that you're talking about is referring to federal taxation, not to state. No, because that the that's where the Fourteenth Amendment came in. Um, after the Civil War, the southern states were saying, all those rules you have up there are federal rules. And the 14th Amendment was written to say, any constraints and boundaries at the federal level apply, apply on the state, state level. level. I figured that's where you were going to go with it. Yeah. So I think, well, that's clear. And uh, uh, then that there's also, what do you do about it? Say, I win the case. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't just be me. There'd probably be many, many others signing on. Um, the idea, the, the two biggest things that are done at the, at the local level is um, the government schools and the police and the uh, local roads. So the solution would be that the legislature has to raise the taxes they have authority to, sales, income taxes, and what have you, by a few percentage points pull the money and prorate it back down. And so the Board of Education would say we have, uh, you know, 1,400 students yeah, but does in that, town. So, so if that's the outcome, what's benefited? They don't tax the houses anymore. Or your well, cars, by the way. So it just so comes out just of the tax- general taxation that they use already. And, that's, and that was another thing I stumbled into. I met... Uh, some of the controllers for some of the big cities, and they say they don't raise all the money through home taxation in the big cities. They raise a percentage of it, but the rest they get from the general treasury. Oh, yeah, there's huge subsidies yeah. to the cities. They can't survive on their so, own. So now it's equal treatment under the law. All the towns would be getting from the general treasury, and the 
sales tax or something would have to go up a few points. But compared to what's happened in the last year, we've had uh, at least 20% inflation. So, uh, you know, we're getting clobbered with uh, inflation from money printing, but this little tiny blip in sales and income tax would then relieve all of the households of, uh, in, of, uh, of property, property tax taxes. and auto, auto. So this tax. is, so your plan to get free of the corrupt government is to give more power to the more corrupt government. Um, no, I want to give power a literally to, and this is the old expression to the people. So they're going to keep their money. And if the Supreme court will go for it, it's, a, it's in their bailiwick. It's pure. They may say we can't handle it. It's too political. Um, and they have the right to not take the case. Mm-hmm. But if it's framed correctly, and um, I need, and I sent away, by the way, I sent away to the Supreme Court. How do I apply? <laughs> they, oh, that's good. A 60-page document that pretty much says, don't you dare apply on your own. So you, you have to find one of these uh, pro-legal firms that, uh, you know, can do this. No, and they is. would have to write it yeah. up would have to be underwritten by one of the, the uh, legal foundations. And then they would go to the clerks. There's nine clerks and nine justices. If uh, only four out of five justices decide they want to take the case, the case will be put on the docket. And then five out of four have to vote yes to uh, win the case. No, I love so your fight. It's, it scares me the idea of more power being in the hands of state government because the state government in Connecticut well, is so that's destructive. The and that's, that's the problem, and they'll get even more money in their treasury. But um, they, the, this rule of pre-K to 12 education, that's a, a constitutional right at the Connecticut level. That mm-hmm. was passed in 65 only. And I've read the rule. It says all kids should get free K to 12. It doesn't say only if they go to government schools. It, you know, it, it opens the door actually to the voucher system. Oh, all right. That would be things. good. Yeah. So, and if the, the legislature says, all right, it's 22,000 a kid this year, um, that's, that's it. And then everyone would get a voucher if you had a kid. And if you're going to send your set, one of your children to a private school that's 40000 a year, you still get your 22000 from the government, and you have to pay the excess. Well, that would be a life-changing situation if yeah. that happened. So anyway. Joe, we've got to run. To we're, out of, we're out of time. I just want All to right. give you a chance to plug the book. It's called Hoodwink, Joe Petrina. Do you, do you want to send people to a website or anything? Yeah, it's hoodwink.net. You can read more about it, and you can leave your name and email, and so I can give you updates if I cool. uh, make progress here. Joe, keep us posted, yep. okay? Say That's that great. again? Keep us posted. Yeah, I will. Okay, Todd, thanks for letting me on. Thank you. It's great to talk with you. Wow, how about that? Joe Petrina hoodwinked. He's suing the government, hoping to win, and he sounds pretty confident about it. What do you think is going to happen, huh? I don't know. We're going to pause for news. Stay with us on WTIC. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Why wait? Come on. Oh, come on. Why wait? You can rant right now at 860-751-4698 on the Todd Feinberg Show. Hope you're happy today. Nice to have you here and along for this little exercise in talk radio where we try to get to the bottom of things. And here to help us with that is Dr. Stephen Hicks from the Atlas Society. We're going to learn about something. I deliberately didn't look this up and try to get my head clear on it. I want to learn about postmodernism, and Stephen Hicks uh, apparently knows about it. And I understand that postmodernism is the root of all evil or pretty close to it. So, Stephen, thank you for being here. Uh, pleasure. Thanks for the ask. Can you tell us about postmodernism, what it is, and, and how it relates to the the scamming of our country that's going on? Mm. Well, postmodernism, you break the work down, it's a, it's a rejection of the main institutions of the, the modern world. So the modern world has been very revolutionary. Uh, the idea that we're going to be basically rational, we're going to uh, treat people as individuals, we're going to say, despite all of the differences of opinion and values we have. We're going to uh, work things out rationally through civil discussion and in the courts rather than the traditional way that humans for tens of thousands of years lived, which this is overstated, but divided people into groups and uh, settled things by the sword or by, by hierarchical context. So the modern world has been about you know, individual rights, individual civility, tolerance, uh, limited government, uh, neutral government uh, uh, with respect to adjudicating rights. Now, the postmoderns think all of that is a fraud or that it was wrongheaded to begin with and that it's created a, uh, a disaster culture and we need to go post beyond that. So what they typically do is argue that human beings are skeptical, uh, uh, not rational at basis, that they are constructed into various groups. They reject the notion that we're capable of living a, a rational life? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they will argue that human beings, what they call their reason is just something constructed into them when they are uh, younger and being conditioned uh, by their racial groups or their ethnic groups or their, their gender groups or whatever it is. So they, they do fundamentally reject the idea that individuals have the capacity for independent, rational thought. That's pretty amazing. And who are these people? Where do they come from? I assume this came out of our universities? Uh, well, yeah, not only our universities. It's been a phenomenon for two generations. But it's very safe to say a generation ago it was only in the universities. But what's happened is that it's now become well entrenched in some sectors in the universities and 
succeeded in spilling out into the general culture, and that's a big part of the cultural wars we're having now. But somebody's, somebody's applied this, have they not? Somebody had to, some Dr. Evil had to think of how to use postmodernism to, to accomplish a coup. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of this starts as high theory in philosophy departments, and then it gets out into uh, literature departments and anthropology and sociology departments. But the rubber really meets the road when it gets into law schools and when it gets into education departments. So... In law schools, uh, we started to see this a generation ago, a young generation of highly trained lawyers who uh, did not believe that, say, the law was about universal rights or individual rights and that when we have disagreements, we're going to take it to court and try to pursue truth and justice. They become deeply cynical about all of those. Instead, they argue that the law just is an instrument that some groups use to club Uh, other groups into submission and keep them in that position. So uh, once you have a generation of lawyers uh, who believe that, they start to practice law in a different way. So that's one of the... one of the uh, the big cultural fronts. And the other, of course, is uh, is the education sector. So the high theorists uh, then uh, trained a number of people who became professors of education, who then started to revamp the curriculum, revamp uh, the takeover of the university of, of, uh, of teachers. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let me uh, let me make a comment about the legal thing because I I, be- I began to become aware of this phenomenon. I think that you're talking about during the Obama years and during the Obama administration, there were no recorded interviews of Barack Obama that you could find online, but for one. That was on a PBS uh, NPR station in uh, Chicago when he was uh, a quote unquote law professor. And he was talking about the failures of the civil rights movement. And one of the failures he talked about was that they they didn't talk. They didn't focus on negative uh, positive rights. They only focused on negative rights and negative rights for people who don't know the term refers to our constitutional system, which says the government is there to protect us from the government. And that's what makes our our government so fundamentally unique, our founding documents. And when he said that, I said, okay, now I get the scam. So be going to law school and being a an expert in constitutional law means they teach you how to hate constitutional law and how to get rid of it. Mm. Yeah, that's one of the uh, the major skirmishes. So negative versus positive rights is definitely an aspect of it. Whether you see the law as uh, impartial and uh, neutral with respect to disputes that are brought to it, uh, or whether the law is supposed to have its thumbs on the scale for some uh, privileged groups, uh, and then the only way you can correct for that is to have, have it be uh, have it thumb on, thumb on the scale for underprivileged groups for a generation or so. So yes, that's exactly the mix. Now, Obama administration was uh, was certainly a transition point, and uh, within the administration, there was a mixture of people who were still modernists, uh, uh, but also you started to see a significant number of people who were more, more postmodern in this group based adversarial sense but what a remarkable thing to think that out of our universities would come a cancer 
designed kind of a digital cancer. I mean, it reminds me of the mRNA vaccines where you would you would be sending some kind of genetic code to turn mm. Americans against the American system of government. Well, that's an old story. As long as there have been intellectuals, uh, universities and, and, and institutions of education are supposed to be the place where we try out new ideas and we have the big debates about those ideas. And what always happens is whichever ideas are most successful in the universities in one generation, uh, people want to put them into practice in the next generation. So in this case, uh, it is, you know, as you're putting it, it's largely an anti-American set of, of values. Uh, so most of these ideas were imported into the U.S in the uh, the middle part of the 20th century uh so you started to see uh kind of some of the quote-unquote sexy university or sorry sexy european intellectual trends caught on in the 50s and 60s in the uh, in the united states and there was a kind of a huge counter uh, battle against the traditional american values it's it's a pretty shocking thing and hard to it's not that even in my mother was a college professor and and uh, she's 92. But she, we still, you know, I'll be over and, and people will get together and have conversations. And and uh, she's in a retirement home that's got tons of professors and those types of people in it. And they would be shocked if I said to them, if I said the words that. Are the American universities are controlled by postmodernist thinking, and that's anti-American thinking, and they're the ones who are infecting uh, the country with this anti-American cancer that we're experiencing right now because they yeah. don't acknowledge the cancer and they don't think there's anything wrong with the politics. And how did they all get so blind to all this? Well, I think it's overstated to say that universities are in the control. I think what's a better way to put it is to say some subsectors in the university that are very influential and have had a had a big voice outside of the university are postmodern. But the battle is uh, engaged and lively within the universities. It's just not clear which one's going to uh, going to prevail. Uh, so, but another way to put it is to go back to when you were talking about the failure of the civil rights movement. It's not clear that it has been a failure, but part of the rhetoric of postmoderns is that the civil rights movement was a failure. So what you find among the postmoderns is explicitly a rejection of you know someone like Martin Luther King as a hero or someone like Frederick Douglass as a hero because both of them are modernists. Both of them are arguing. Human beings are human beings. All human beings should be judged by their individual character. We all have the same universal rights, and it's a, an idealistic aspiration that our political institutions are going to going to reflect that. We're going to get rid of all double standards in the well, law. Well, what's the comeback to that, though? What are we well, if we're not human? Well, the, what they want to argue is there is no such thing as a universal human nature. Instead, we are divided into perhaps overlapping subgroups uh, that are fundamentally different in their constitution, in their values, in their belief system. And this is why, for them, the division of race, class, and gender, for example, to take, uh, to take the big three, mm -hmm. is not for them that race is uh, kind of a secondary or superficial feature. Uh, rather, race becomes a fundamental constituting feature. So rather than thinking all people are people, uh, individual human beings under the skin, so to speak, uh, they want to argue that the individual isn't really real, but rather the individual is made up 
differently by being born into different racial groups or different gender groups or different uh, uh, class groups, for example. Very interesting. We're talking to Dr. Stephen Hicks with the Atlas Society. Are you still teaching philosophy at Rockford University? Yes, I'm a yeah, professor of philosophy at Rockford. And how many years have you been there? Oh, my, since the early 90s when I finished grad school. I've been here mostly except for years away uh, for sabbaticals. And when did you become aware of this taking hold? Uh, I became aware of it in the 1990s. So the, 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 my main book on this uh, was published in the early 2000s. It's had a resurgence in the last five or six years because uh, it's become timely again. But I became aware of it in the, in the 90s when I finished my Ph.D. work, which was mostly in logic and philosophy of science, and started reading around what was going on more broadly in the intellectual world, and I kept running into postmoderns whom I'd had a glancing acquaintance with uh, as an undergraduate, but then I started to read Foucault, Derrida, uh, and others more deeply and realized that postmodernism was not only a thing, but it was really a huge thing in the intellectual world. And uh, Even in the 90s? In the 90s, and it was uh, self-consciously preparing itself for kind of leaving high theory and, uh, and putting itself to the task of remaking society in its own image. It's quite remarkable. Steve, if you can hold on, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll continue the conversation. Professor Stephen Hicks is here from the Atlas Society. More coming up on WTIC. Now, back to the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Oh, this is fascinating, isn't it? You're getting the picture here, a template of a whole nother way of viewing existence implanted into the minds of young people. And, uh, and, and then they become the, the new generation, the generation in control. And that quickly you get a president of the United States who talks about, uh, well, who doesn't believe. He, he was a constitutional professor. He went to Harvard Law School, and he doesn't believe in the American system of government. It's a remarkable thing, Stephen. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you mentioned Harvard Law School. One of the great uh, kind of opponents of the Martin Luther King Jr. legacy was Derek Bell, who was a law professor at uh, Harvard University, uh, and he would have been there when uh, that earlier president was a student there. And he was uh, you know, very clear that uh, uh, the United States was not uh, that it was a racist nation, that it was not a nation of individuals. The law was consciously designed to keep certain groups down. And uh, uh, he's one of the, uh, the founders of what we call critical race theory. And critical race theory is one of the sub-movements within the overall postmodern umbrella. So where did this postmodernism get its start or get conceptualized? Did somebody invent this or did it develop well, the, organically the amongst different departments of philosophy and things like that? Yeah, the, uh, the first kind of official postmoderns are French. So you'll hear the name uh, Michel Foucault, Jean-Francois Lyotard, and uh, uh, Jacques Derrida. Lyotard is the one who... Uh, wrote a famous book called The Postmodern Condition. And uh, often, at least in philosophy circles, he is the one who is credited with it. But there are any number of other intellectuals, not only in France. Uh, some of the most famous ones are in America a generation ago. Names like 
Richard Rorty, who was a postmodern or very close fellow traveler, someone like Stanley Fish, who was a famous professor and public intellectual. Uh, he's retired now, but about 10 years ago. So uh, uh, primarily French intellectuals, and then the gondola was picked up across the Atlantic, primarily in American universities. Stephen Hicks, I've lost track of the time, and I look and I realize we're out of it. Do you want people uh, to go to your website to learn more about your sure. thinking and writings? StephenHicks.org is good. Excellent. StephenHicks.org. Right. And what book should they look to first, do you think? Explaining Postmodernism is the most relevant one. Thank you so much for being here. I hope we can do this again. Uh, all right. Appreciate it. Thanks, Todd. Bye for yeah. now. Thank you. How about that? That explains a lot, doesn't it? Postmodernism. We have to become facile in the evils of postmodernism. That I'm putting that on the agenda right now. As we turn to the only postmodernist I know who's on staff, and that's Mark Christopher in the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. Hey, Mark. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 